0: Why don't you come in here and let me talk to you a That's right, step right up and listen to a concerned citizen. Welcome to Interchange, I'm Doug Storm. This is Don't Let Them Take Your Gun by Grand I Funk Railroad. Today we begin a series of three programs on guns in the USA we're calling A Targeted Divide. Our first show is Gunning Down the Bill of Rights, How the Second Amendment Trumps the First After a Supreme Court decision in 2008, the most ambiguous and poorly written of our constitutional amendments now means what the NRA wants it to mean. All citizens have an individual right to own and bear arms, regardless of their membership in a militia. That court decision was Heller v. the District of Columbia. It was given greater, more expansive force in 2010 in the case McDonald v. the City of Chicago which held that the 2008 Heller decision must be applied to the states. Joining us to discuss the history of gun rights and the interpretations of the Second Amendment is Jody Madeira of Indiana University's Maurer School of Law. A scholar exploring the ways emotion inflects the creation and interpretation of law, Madeira is the author of the books Killing McVeigh, The Death Penalty and The Myth of Closure, and Taking Baby Steps, How Patients and Fertility Clinics Collaborate in Conception. She's currently involved in a research project assessing how Americans talk about firearms and associated benefits, risks, rights, and regulations. In an opinion piece written after the February 14th shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, where 17 people were murdered, Madeira wrote, quote, Our elected officials tweeted and posted the usual thoughts and prayers rhetoric to shut down conversations about why such terrifying events occur with such frequency. She continued, Our unwillingness to talk about guns and gun violence has even made it easy for states to make such discourse downright unlawful. Indiana state law, for example, bars public and private employers from asking employees about whether they own, use, or transport a gun with no public safety exception. If they do, they can be slapped with a civil suit for economic damages, court costs, and even punitive damages. Using the Second Amendment as a silencer bastardizes it, undermining the civil discourse essential to democracy, creating and reinforcing a flawed narrative that fundamentally changes what people think gun ownership is about and warps popular understandings of the Second Amendment, unquote. Today's show explores that flawed narrative. And it begins with the historical and contextual interpretations of the First and Second Amendments to our Constitution's Bill of Rights. And now, Gunning Down the Bill of Rights, Part 1 of A Targeted Divide, on Interchange, on W F H P. I do want to talk about how these, uh, the, the Bill of Rights and these amendments, First and Second Amendments, kind of work, um, mm-hmm. and how the Second Amendment now seems to be abridging the, the First Amendment. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we need to do a little bit of setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think generally I want to imagine people have some clue about the First and Second Amendments or about the Bill of Rights, but I'm not entirely sure of this. So mm-hmm. uh, let's first ask about the Bill of Rights uh the two obviously the most well known to most of us i assume are the first and second uh mm-hmm. and it's interesting because they they probably are uh a kind of paradigm for uh, the division uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the country itself, perhaps, mm-hmm. right? The uh, assertion of speech rights uh, in the media, or mm-hmm. um, uh, and the assertion of gun rights, uh, mm-hmm. definitely comes from a different mm-hmm. side of political conversation as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty fascinating. Like these two, I guess you'd think they were they compete with each other in some ways, right? So, yes. I, I, um, so let's ju- let's just talk about them individually, I guess, first, yep. just briefly to get them out of the way. The first, uh, the amendment. Uh, I'll read it to Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of mm-hmm. the press. Or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, mm-hmm. that's a a lot more going on there mm-hmm. than people usually think, right? Mm-hmm. They think it's freedom of speech is mm-hmm. all anybody ever says, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot going on there, and I guess mm-hmm. they sort of all go together. Freedom, mm-hmm. that's why we kind of maybe make it into freedom of expression mm-hmm. frequently. Um, but that's that seems like a simple one, right? But mm-hmm. uh, is there something that I miss if I, th- I if I just say? Everybody can understand that one, or are there ways in which we do abridge speech or expression? Or
1: I think so. For one thing, people normally forget um, that you have to be a state actor to qualify for an abridgment of speech, mm-hmm. right? So it has to be the state silencing. Mm-hmm. So if I, as a business owner, you know, purport to silence somebody else, I'm not a state actor, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's the first thing, and that's that's a unique. Aspect of the right. Right. Um, now, what's very interesting is that the First Amendment was very has been read differently throughout history, as mm. has the Second Amendment, sure. and we can talk about this right. as well. Mm-hmm. But the First Amendment wasn't the robust amendment it was today. I mm. should say. Okay. Um, when people feel like they're being silenced culturally, they re- they reach out to the First Amendment, whether or not it's actually applicable. Right. right. Sure. Um, yeah. but I think that it's. Uh, misunderstood. It's it's we think where we assume that it's what was always so general, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, until the early um, 1900s, I believe it was read very narrowly, and people didn't robustly assert First Amendment free speech rights.
0: Mm, okay,
1: um, and so now. The First Amendment's also one of the most complicated areas, as I understand it, in constitutional law. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fairly settled when you have a state actor that's silencing somebody. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot different when you have two parties that assert, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, the type of claim that you get, for example, um, is that a state law – is silencing a particular party, and a great example of that that does have to do with firearms is the Wolchlogger case that came out of Florida, mm-hmm. where Florida had so-called a so-called gag rule that prohibited doctors from asking patients right. about firearms or access to firearms unless it was medically necessary.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, uh, we'll we'll get into that one mm-hmm. uh, uh, as as we as we walk through this, but let's go ahead and 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 read the second while we're here as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are multiple versions of the second, <laughs> uh, so I guess we should talk and we should address that. Yes. Um, the two that uh, – and again, this is a, a comma placement mm-hmm. issue more than anything else. Yes. Uh, so uh, I'll read – I guess I'll read the one um, – and I don't remember how where it was ratified, if this was Jefferson's mm-hmm. uh, final version. But uh, I'll read this and you can say if it's the one that I should be reading or if there are others that we should read. But mm-hmm. this one is a well-regulated militia being necessary to the sec- security of a free state comma, mm-hmm. the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think that's the final one. Okay. So correct? Th-
0: yeah. That's the one. Well, according to Wikipedia, it is. Right. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so um, so the one that Wikipedia gives right above that is a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed, which seems to me a lot more of interpreting necessary in some like it tries to the commas try to make it have, I think, a more settled meaning. I'm not sure I'm not sure what's going on.
1: Yes. And um and I think actually the first one that Madison proposed mm-hmm. was something uh very different. It um his actually the comma placement was um was less of an issue. There was a colon. Mm. Um I believe his initial draft was the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed colon a well-armed and well-regulated militia being the best security of a free country, but no person religiously scrupulous of bearing arms shall be compelled to render military service in person.
0: Holy smokes. So Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Because that was a big issue back then. Mm -hmm. Um, If you had so-called a conscientious objection Mm -hmm. like the Quakers, Mm -hmm. um, and there were a lot of people from Pennsylvania in in the constitutional congresses, um, then you basically had to pay Mm. someone or could pay someone. So they wanted to make sure to Mm -hmm. preserve that, actually linking it to the freedom of religion and the First Amendment. Um, And then there was this, uh, they basically reworded it several times. um, And then the final version, as you as you mentioned, it was Jeffersonian, a well regulated militia being necessary to the free to the security of a free state comma, the right of the people. Them about right. to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Yeah. So mm-hmm. in and of
0: itself, if we if we ignored as much as we could, mm-hmm. right, and just look at it in that final state, it right. still begs many, many questions, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yes. And many of them just almost being in every single word, it begs a question, which is fascinating in itself, right? Mm-hmm. Just that it does beg all those questions. And if mm-hmm. you think about the courts being set up to interpret mm-hmm. the Constitution and interpret laws as we go, mm-hmm. uh, it... it, it It sort of boggles the mind that it exists as it it does, right? So a well-regulated militia is what we argue about. I guess if you're on the left of things, you argue about that makes no, you know, if you're talking about owning guns personally, Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't apply. If you say it's a well-regulated militia, a person is not that. Right. right? And maybe you could belong to one Mm -hmm. and have a gun for that reason. But that
1: would only be a select number of individuals. (laughs) Right, right, right. 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 And nowadays we tend to read militias implicating something like the National Guard.
0: Right, right, right. So still, Mm -hmm. not everyone. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Uh, And the security of a free state is the state the states, Mm -hmm. or is it the nation, Mm -hmm. or is it the states against the nation, Mm -hmm. the states against each other? Mm -hmm. You know, what are they uh, keeping secure? Yeah, what are they keeping secure? Yes, The citizen against the state is the major implication for most, as far as I can tell, people who are pro-Second Amendment assert my right to defend myself against the government.
1: Yes, whether it be a state government, although I think that it's less of a state government issue than a federal big, Mm -hmm. you know... Capital G government,
0: right, right, and then yep. we go right into the right of the people, mm-hmm. which distinguishes another group from militia. Right, it's <laughs> it's inc- it's it's incredible, really. Right, right. All those things have like you need a glossary, right, to, in order to say this is what Jefferson meant. Right, you need a glossary. Well, right. militia means this to Thomas Jefferson. Militia people means this to right. Thomas Jefferson, or Madison, or whoever right. wants to to decide what it means. But otherwise, it, it's nonsensical in many ways.
1: Right, right. and here I think. Um, so-called, if you look at the gun right and the gun left, um, mm-hmm. or the, I don't want to say pro-gun and anti-gun. Sure, sure. Um, Let's say, if you look at the individualist interpretation versus mm-hmm. the well-regulated militia, sure. non-individualist interpretation, mm-hmm. okay. um, I think this is here you know, that, that the rub occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question, I think, that when you look at the Second Amendment is how Historical, do you go
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And um, so, what Scalia did, going back to Heller. This
0: is Heller. So let's let's yes. quickly talk about. Sure. Let's just yes. sketch in Heller as we can. So um, I wanted to walk through a little bit of this. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just kind of s- understand that maybe yeah. the history of gun, absolutely, law, gun control, gun yep. rights. You know, before yep. we before we come to Heller, which is a big one, yep. right? It's yep. a huge. It's a huge yep. distinction and huge difference. Yep. Um, so. Um you know, for me I guess uh you know I, I noticed just looking through it that uh with the Kennedy assassination. Yes. There's the Gun Control Act of nineteen sixty
1: eight. Right. Can we even go back before? Well sure, that? of course, yeah, um, yeah.
0: You're listening to Interchange. Our show is gunning down the Bill of Rights, and our guest is Jody Madeira, a law professor at Indiana University who studies the intersection of emotion and law and is currently researching how Americans talk about firearms and associated benefits, risks, rights, and regulations. Please so do. I
1: would say that, you know, continuing from, you know, today there's like whatever you want to call it, a culture of fear or mm-hmm. this, you know, political uh, message that, mm-hmm. you know, we should be fearful. I think that is actually what spurred the gun control um, wave that, came in very shortly after the Revolutionary War, Mm. and lasted pretty much until Heller. Mm. Um, So you had laws being passed, particularly in the South. Mm -hmm. Actually, Barring concealed carry, you were allowed to open carry, Hmm. but you wanted to give people notice. Concealed carry was... I will shoot you. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Look uh, here. Exactly. Like, I I am being honest and honorable in (laughs) in displaying my threat or my potential to harm you, right? Mm -hmm, right. Um, Concealed carry was viewed as sneaky, uh, underhanded, deceptive, um, and now it's just the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So the (laughs) idea that a gun in, in the open was not something to fear... But a gun in that was concealed was something to fear. Right. So again, um, you know, but irrespective of the most of the gun laws were in the South. Mm-hmm. Um they had a lot of laws that prohibited guns within uh from being discharged in city bounds. Um they had regulations on pistols, mm-hmm. on the carrying uh the barring of concealed carry, um, but none, nonetheless they still had dueling, right? So right. the other emotional um thing that you see about guns uh is the is the protection of um, honor through mm-hmm, mm-hmm. through gun violence essentially what we would call it today. Um, in the north of course there were many gun laws um and uh, but fewer than in the south mm-hmm. actually. Um, and the interesting thing was that um, in the west where we tend to think of like the wild west you know pew pew everybody's mm-hmm. shooting up right. uh, um you know, Outside of saloons and things like that. Um, in many places, you actually had to turn in your guns.
0: Sure, check them out the gate, basically.
1: Basically, mm-hmm. check them in with the sheriff mm-hmm. because of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> then again, there was, again, a fear, um, although I don't think it was fear for fear's sake. I think it was um, a, a belief that um, hot tempers sure. and alcohol, and particularly, um, let's say, rough, um, I don't wanna say crude, but mm-hmm. I wanna say people with rough manners, mm-hmm. you know, might resort to violence before, mm-hmm. you know, people who who were less inclined to um, um, pull out a gun and sure. and, and take action. Um, so I think that there is this idea that, you know, the Wild West was wild. It wasn't actually that wild. Mm-hmm, um, but, there were but we, gun regulations. Exactly, right? yes, it's, yes. It's
0: as simple as that. Yes. And yeah. so
1: we had this history where many, many regulations, like uh, we have similar regulations today. You know, mm-hmm. there were sensitive places. Um Uh, Other things, interestingly, um, you could get penalized for not carrying a gun. So after the revolution, and part of this is in reaction to legitimate threats, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So when people feared attack by Native Americans, um, there were state laws that said, you have to carry your gun to church on Sunday. Mm. You have to carry it, or else if you don't, you're not prepared, you're not doing. So there we see this idea of a militia, Mm. right? And the idea that you as a person, as a private citizen, have to carry for the public good, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Um, wow. a, an idea that definitely appears today as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But now it's more controversial to carry in churches, right? <laughs> um. Although that's changing as as more and more um incidents of gun violence happen in mm-hmm. houses of worship. Mm-hmm. Um. But suffice it to say, we had a, a very robust body of gun laws, um, gun regulations into um into the 1900s. Mm-hmm. Then, um, in the 1930s, there was a gun law case called Miller, mm-hmm. right? Um, Miller dealt with a sawed-off shotgun. And the court looked at the sawed-off shotgun, and it was a very poorly reasoned opinion. Um, people fault Roe versus Wade, the abortion opinion for being uh, um, fairly poorly reasoned. This just beats the cake. Um, mm. I'm sorry. This takes the cake. Beats the cake. I, you know, well, whatever the metaphor is. You got
0: to beat eggs for the cake. I think so, okay. right. But All it
1: right. smashes the cake. How <laughs> okay. about that?
0: Okay. Um,
1: it is such a poorly reasoned decision, um, and it was very hard to apply. So um, Miller is uh, probably... Before Heller, the most notorious gun case, mm. they looked at the sawed off shotgun and they said, "Because this is not a weapon that was carried in the in the militia, mm-hmm. you know you can't
0: that was the reason you can't
1: carry it yes, so it's basically like outside the second amendment um and it basically legitimated um the court to disregard the Second Amendment right, for right. the vast majority of time between you just the 1930s. A exactly. You have to carry right. a musket around. Right? Yeah. Yes, okay. right. <laughs> okay. So that it seems was very I, It would probably
0: work. I mean, today right. it might, that might actually help today.
1: Yeah. If we could well, interpret it that way. And that's actually where I think the long gun carry rules come mm-hmm. from. This mm-hmm. historical idea that long guns should not be regulated the same as handguns. Right, right, right.
0: right. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense.
1: So, right. um, but yes, but sawed-off shotguns are apparently, you know, not like long guns. Yeah, um, okay.
0: Well, they are concealable, I suppose. Uh, definitely. Yeah, and yeah.
1: and they're always been, like the Tommy gun, they're tied the, mm-hmm. to this criminal element. Sure. And one more thing about <laughs> Miller, sure, too. Sure, the yeah. thing that comes out of Miller is the thing that gets overturned in Heller, which is under Miller... It's a well-regulated militia. So a person does not have an individual right, right, right. to bear arms. Right. It's not um, it's not a personal right. right. So and Miller, what year was that? 1930s. I think it was 1934.
0: Okay. So but... in, in the 30s, uh, there is the interpretation that the Second Amendment yes. refers to the militia. Yes. And, and
1: the... there had been um, several... Cases that had held that before, but Miller mm-hmm. was a Supreme Court case, and everybody and else
0: is a criminal that has a gun. If you're mm-hmm. if you're not in the well-regulated militia, uh, especially certain police. types of
1: guns. Yes, yes. Yeah. So not not the long guns, but the um, mm-hmm. you don't have a right to a certain type of gun, mm-hmm. and um, it was this, you know, pretty. Um, unreasoned or ill reasoned statement that this mm. is that this is not an individual right. Right,
0: right, right. And okay. um, okay. but
1: what's very interesting is that it's it seems to come out of a line of fairly consistent state supreme court cases. Okay. So when in that environment. Um, the federal government felt quite free to regulate. Um, mm-hmm. And in the 1930s, you also see the National Firearms Act, which is a response, basically, to the, all of this organized crime, mm-hmm. you know, Al Capone. And that has a
0: lot to do with, uh, or it's using, uh, like, a Commerce Act, yes. right? Uh, you right. can't You can't sell or transport across yes. state lines and things of that nature. Yes. So they so do it's do not saying the federal federal no to guns, be, per se. Say. Exactly. <laughs> it's saying right. no to, or just making use of the, as you say, what the, right. what the federal government can do. Right. Is regulate things this way.
1: Yes. And right? the National Firearms Act basically said if you want a um now we have the fully automatic weapons that come that become regulated later on in mm-hmm. uh 1980s um but this was basically um the stamp requirement mm-hmm. so, you know so they so if you want this uh, certain types of guns you have to buy a 200 stamp which is a lot at that time mm-hmm. um And you have to register it Mm -hmm. and um, efforts to kind of control these types Mm -hmm. of weapons. Mm -hmm. Right. But it was definitely a new type of assertion of authority by the federal government. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of that was fairly in question until 2010.
0: Mm -hmm. It's time for a break. This is Johnny Cash. Don't take your guns to town. More with Jody Madeira on the importance of contextuality in the interpretation of legal ideas written when firearm meant musket, and to load the musket meant tearing a cartridge open by biting and tearing off the tip, pouring powder into the barrel, and then ramming a lead ball down into it. Stay with us for more gunning down the Bill of Rights when Interchange returns. Don't take
2: your guns to town. don't take your guns to town He sang a song his own He rode his guns, hung at his hips He rode into a cattle town A smile upon his lips He stopped and walked into a bar And laid his money down But his mother's words echoed again A dusty cowpoke at his side began to laugh him down. Welcome back to Interchange. I'm Doug Storm.
0: For this segment of Gunning Down the Bill of Rights, we'll dive into the 2008 Supreme Court decision that finally negated that pesky phrase about a well-regulated militia in the Second Amendment. We'll also talk about the way originalism in interpretation might best be considered loose construction, a way to let context shape jurisprudence. This is why the constitutional amendments require interpretation in the first place and why there's a court system for this purpose. And we'll touch on the power of the NRA in shaping law to suit the obscenely powerful and profitable munitions industry.
2: Don't take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns at home, Bill. Don't take your guns to town.
0: Uh, I guess we can now talk mm-hmm. about Heller. We sure. we, made, we made it to Heller, and Heller is a 2008 uh, Supreme Court decision. Uh, yeah,
1: there's a 2008, there's a 2010 follow-up. Oh,
0: okay. So this um, is District of Columbia yes. versus Heller. Okay.
1: Yes. Um. And what Heller does is it actually decide it, it decides a critical issue for the first time. Uh. It overturns Miller, um, and says this is um. We're going to go in a different direction. We are going to hold that there is an individual right to bear arms, that it doesn't depend on a well-regulated militia. And they they correctly, I think, in my interpretation, call Miller a terrible decision, mm-hmm. right? Um, Justice Scalia, being this person who believes deeply in the founding father's original interpretation of the Constitution, goes into this very detailed historical analysis, drags up all of these historical references, mm-hmm. and um, and several people in the dissent do the same. Right, mm-hmm. so yeah. they basically it's a it's kind of like a war of words right. about or an interpretative interpretative war about what Heller meant.
0: Right, right, right. So they do try to get the his, history in there and do try to actually um, decide yes. on the meaning of the Second Amendment. Yes, right. yes, yes, yes. Which of course, um, obviously, the makeup of the court undermines that. Still, as it's yes. still a political, often ideological response. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, so it's not still not decided even if it's quote unquote decided.
2: <laughs> yes, right. So, um, right. And so, I'm sorry, it was a two thousand and
1: eight okay. decision. There's um there's a heller two, but there's also another critical case, um, which is McDonald versus City of Chicago. Mm, okay. Um and um so basically this is complicated uh constitutional law stuff for example. Mm-hmm. Um but for a long time, with many rights, it was just said that the federal government can't infringe upon these rights. So the mm-hmm. federal government can't infringe upon your Second Amendment rights. Um, it was not until 2010 that a city called um, McDonald versus City of, uh, I'm sorry, a case called McDonald versus City of Chicago mm-hmm. said that state governments can't infringe upon Second Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. So um, we call these rights incorporated. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of the rights, like the free speech and uh, First Amendment. Um, Uh, right to vote they were incorporated long before incorporated meaning applicable to the states right
2: um
1: whereas before the you know until 2010 the second amendment was only applicable to the sec to the federal government um so i don't think heller was quite complete until mcdonald versus city of chicago um Mm -hmm. but but heller is the real big sea Mm -hmm. change um Mm -hmm. in 2008 for the uh for the individual right to bear arms
0: which claims that the, it's not a well-regulated militia. Right. You have the right to yes. have a weapon.
1: Yes, in a sense, because Again. you know Scalia was like, "Well, the militia is the people. Every the people. man between the ages of, for example, sixteen and sixty, mm-hmm. were was required to have a firearm in working order." Mm-hmm. And he he reads that literally, nail. Right. right. Um, although I don't think many people see themselves as members of "quote unquote" the militia. No. Um. Irrespective of the separatist groups that do.
0: Yeah, there or are survival right. groups that right. do practice. Yes. Right. So uh, uh, I know that you're aware of this, but uh, in 2000. Uh, I think uh, August 27, 2008, Richard mm-hmm. Posner writes in defense of looseness. Richard mm-hmm. Posner is the well-known jurist, uh, opinionative, opinionate, opinionated. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, who. Uh, kind of tears into this as yep. uh, one, not only uh, just saying, of course you can make all sorts of historical arguments work for you. You have access to the library of Congress. You have access to any number of uh, uh, clerks who can research these things. Yes. And on the other side, they do the same thing. So the, right. so history, as we know, is a is a fickle thing <laughs> right. in the first place. But um, so his his arguments uh, generally saying that, that, Looseness and he means a uh, uh, by construction, right, so yes, loose, exactly. looseness of construction versus or we're saying that that's an original idea too that originalism has a looseness of construction yes. to it so yes, yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about if you can what what Posner's getting at there.
1: I think what he's saying is that you can basically mean make historical sources say many things,
0: which we know yes, right right
1: um and they're and they're just multi uh. I want to say multifluous, um, mm-hmm. but they're subject to multiple interpretations. Right. Um, right. You know, and that's, that's what, something that the Supreme Court has been faulted mm-hmm. um, for. So for example, in the case of gay marriage, in the case mm-hmm. of um, anti-sodomy laws, um, it, it looked at uh, rules, laws in Rome, regulating same-sex sexual conduct. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, read the laws one way, but, you know, if you looked at the laws another way, um, you could see, for example, that we are interpreting them from entirely different cultural perspective than mm-hmm. the Romans did. You know, sure. um, the Romans had a culture in which one man uh, who was older could adopt a younger man and then have a sexual relationship with him. We mm. would call that incest today. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, so it was just two different cultural times. Mm-hmm. And the question, I think this is going on in Heller, too, the question of um, – cultural fit is a question of looseness, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We are not standing in the shoes of the founding fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't get out a Ouija board and, and reference, right. you know, mm-hmm. uh, kind of get a, a call, a, a phone a friend right. version, right? right? Um, but, and I think that's what Posner was responding mm-hmm. to. But um, I think it's interesting that Posner himself, in fact, um, I think his beef was less what the holding of Heller was than the pathway to the holding, right? right. And the way in which it reinterpreted all of these, you know, probably 150 years of constitutional Mm -hmm. jurisprudence um, willy-nilly and just said, there's something else new in the game.
0: This is Interchange on WFHB. Our guest is law professor Jody Madeira, who's researching the way Americans talk about firearms. And our topic is the history, interpretation and application of the Second Amendment. Well, uh, I guess we need to find a way to that conversation Mm -hmm. about expression, Mm -hmm. about guns and expression, um, about the way things are moved in this country. You Mm -hmm. know, you talk about force of personality. You talk Mm -hmm. about the way lawyers in particular might move it in in a constitutional Mm -hmm. space. But also our laws are moved by lobby groups. And uh, clearly, the most um, important or influential group here is the NRA, the National mm-hmm. Rifle Association, which yes. has changed drastically over time, really, yes. in terms of what its intentions had been or how it had come to be in the first place. Yes. And is now a very, very um, politically entrenched mm-hmm. lobby organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so gun law is NRA law. Mm-hmm. It's hard to have this conversation without talking about the NRA and talking about the ways that laws have been made in right. the wake of that that influence.
1: Um, uh, so in terms of the NRA, um, I think that's exactly when you see the shift in the late 1990s, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because people were um, – and I think something else that we haven't talked about that fits in here, too, is the Brady Bill mm-hmm. and background checks. Yeah, right. so
0: Brady Bill is post-Reagan. Sh- so Bra- Jim Brady yes. is killed and uh, no, a killed shot. Yes, underlies. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, with, when the Reagan assassination attempt. Hinckley, I think. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the Brady Bill is passed in the wake of, of that. Yes. And it's back primarily a background tra- check law?
1: Primarily background check, but it mm-hmm. also um, – Puts record keeping responsibilities mm. on gun gun show, um gun stores and uh, sellers and um, things like that. You know, people who do it for a livelihood. Sure. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. and so
0: more of a commerce thing again. Exactly. You know, okay. Exactly.
1: It's. I mean, the federal government can't compel state law enforcement to do its bidding. Mm. Um, that's against the Tenth Amendment. So. so Basically, there's, there's a lot of problems with the current background check. States don't always send in, from, in the in, information that they're supposed to. Okay. Um, as we found earlier uh, in the last two years, this federal government, for example, the military doesn't even sometimes send in dishonorable discharges. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the Brady Bill also kind of firmed up who is a proper person to carry a firearm or to be licensed to carry a firearm and who is not. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think that is a, uh, you know, that, that was something that's, that was supported by the NRA. Mm-hmm. The NRA supported um, many uh, school safety measures, for example, like keeping guns out of schools mm-hmm. in the 1990s. There's there's video of LaPierre saying these things. Mm, okay. Um and his stance have got has gotten. I'm not sure. Exactly, yes. Yeah, right. um, so right. so uh, uh, topsy turvy since now then. this
0: is prior to the Dickey Amendment. Then the Dickey Amendment's 1996, I think, and that amendment uh, again an NRA backed or even written mm-hmm. uh, bill that um, keeps the CDC from research. Well, it doesn't or prevent the CDC. On. Yes, <laughs> right. it
1: basically says no federal funds can go towards research that. Pushes gun control interests, mm-hmm. and the problem with that is that you can claim that research doesn't push gun control interests, but then somebody else can say, "Boy, your research conclusion aligns with the gun control position." Sure, and so okay, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's fairly expansively interpreted. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so that has uh, that has kept uh, a lot of research from from being done in the yes. first place, and then um, and so we've we, you know we had a uh, conversation with. Well, I had a conversation with Ju Young Lee, and, mm-hmm. and this was part of that conversation, you know, yes. that there's not a lot of research right. on the effects of gunshot victims, uh, of, right. of living victims, right? We talk a lot about homicides. Uh, we yes. don't talk a lot about people living with gunshot wounds. Uh, and part of it is because there hasn't been you know, funding for research mm-hmm. in this particular area, and that's due to the Dickey Amendment, it seems like. Now, mm-hmm. I think it was recently altered somewhat, and even something that Trump yes signed um
1: yes so um basically the cdc can still get funds mm-hmm. but i mean i think people are still so wary of the topic mm-hmm. that it's it's gun violence research and it's right. it's um i think research on the effects of gun shots on or being shot on victims actually would be pa- more palatable now mm mm-hmm. mhm the research that I think is still going to be difficult is, for example, uh, we've had a slew of state laws come in, getting rid of so-called permits to purchase, mm-hmm. getting rid of um, licenses to carry, as they tried to do in Indiana recently. Um, I think those types of laws, you really need to look at longitudinal effects for about 10 years mm-hmm. to get a good uh, grasp of what effects those laws are having. Mm. Um, and that research is very difficult to come by. We have very little research on domestic violence. Um and what different laws for domestic violence for example, um laws that mandate that judges take away a domestic uh violent suspects firearms during a protective order or mm-hmm. after, you know, um after uh, a certain point in in a criminal proceeding. Um that is that is not present in Indiana either. Mm-hmm. It's discretionary. Oh, um okay. And so again, hmm. we we can't create policy that is informed by research, mm-hmm. um, because we just don't have the research to back it up.
0: Gotcha, right, right. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Then uh, I guess uh, uh, we can move to that Glocks versus Docs, mm-hmm. um, the decision, case, yes. yeah, in Florida, yes. which so the Florida yes. legislature did pass a law that that yep. said a doctor mm-hmm. couldn't ask if there was a gun in the home or if you had access to firearms, things like that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, couldn't, couldn't bring it up even, I suppose. Right.
1: And it was on the burden of the physician to describe how it was medically necessary.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um,
1: and and we think of the context um, in which a physician might bring it up. For example, if a patient is suicidal, mm-hmm. if um, they live in the house with someone who is suicidal or who is uh, liable to use the firearm to hurt them. Um, sure. Or just in the more day-to-day context of a pediatrician mm-hmm. asking a patient, do you have a wood-burning stove? Do you have smoke detectors in your home? Mm-hmm. Is your child in a car seat? Do you have access to a firearm? Right. Is the right. firearm stored safely? Right. Sure. right. Um, yeah. And underlying that, as um, I think uh, this is a principle that under underscores many things uh, in that have been developing the law in the last decade, is the idea that there is... Um, people out there who want to infringe on gun owners' privacy, mm-hmm. um, that there's discrimination, right? Um, mm-hmm. This Florida law came about after some patients said that they were dismissed from a doctor's office or uh, because they refused to answer the question. Um, when journalists went back to try to follow up, they could not find those same individuals. Mm. Um, there was only one legislate, one state legislature uh, member who had said, uh, I think, that he had a constituent who came forward with a story. Okay. Um so, so those claims again can't be sustained. But even assuming that there would be, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are uh, there are problems with having a law that is as sweeping mm-hmm. as the Florida law clearly was. Yeah,
0: which and you say this is an issue for speech as well, then because it uh, yes, it, it in, inhibits the doctor's ability to yes. to well speak i guess
1: yes um and it kind of puts uh it was called a gag law because Mm -hmm. physicians were hesitant to ask because of fear now they don't want um to make patients angry they Mm -hmm. want to avoid uncomfortable topics because they're about to ask people probably much more invasive questions Mm -hmm. about for example sexual habits or physical behaviors or physical symptoms that might be considerably more embarrassing.
0: And private. Um,
1: and private, like exactly. That's,
0: that's literally more private. Exactly. Right, <laughs> right you would yes. think anyway. Yes, yeah. but it's
1: not as politically loaded right. um, part <laughs> of the pun. No pun.
0: intended, right? right. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. And you, those puns are inescapable, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, but I think we've created such a culture of fear, not only around crime mm-hmm. and crime rates increasing, but also the idea that gun violence Itself, which is a public health right. issue, is uh, seen as a political topic, and mm-hmm. so people are hesitant to discuss it
0: rather but, than a public health topic.
1: Exactly, right? right. Or right. whether it just—I I think it's both. You know, you can discuss it in a public sure. health sense, sure. and you can discuss it as as a as a politicized topic, mm-hmm. um, and it it kind of swings the pendulum, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs>
0: It's time for another break. This is Whiskey Town. Take your guns to town. When we come back, we talk public health and civil discourse when it comes to guns in the USA. Stay with us for more interchange with IU Law Professor Jody Madeira on WFHB. On the Eastern Highway, we ride. When she'll the rain from the sky.
2: What's left is Ivy in the Letters sent back home
0: Never express the idea of how a young man could be so far from home Take your guns to town Don't take your guns to town Take your guns to town Don't take your guns to town Welcome back to Interchange. Our show is gunning down the Bill of Rights with Indiana University law professor Jody Madeira. In this final segment, we'll look at the way having a right does not preclude that right being regulated. We'll also discuss the controversial Florida case nicknamed Docs v. Glocks that barred doctors from asking patients any questions about their exposure to firearms a case finally overturned on first amendment grounds the uses and abuses of the bill of rights continues along interested profit driven and ideological lines don't take your guns So it's that stinking Second Amendment right. that sticks us in this problem because we we or I regulate. would argue
1: it's Heller actually. Well,
0: he- so yeah. okay, so Heller has stuck us uh, really, really in the hard yeah. place right now. Well, because I, I, you know, one of the things that I guess is clear throughout is that we're happy to regulate. Yes. Uh, generally, I mean, there yes. are people that don't want us to regulate, and we all don't want to be right. regulated. Or we
1: used to be happy to regulate. Yeah, used to. Yes. Yeah,
0: that's right. So, so what we're talking about as much here as anything else, and it's hard because we have literally no memory, mm-hmm. and many of us have no, no, not that we don't have memories, but that we don't mm-hmm. have any knowledge in the first place, right? right? So, um, to think that these things are happening. Ah, uh, for the first time, mm-hmm. or or really being thought about now, mm-hmm. is is to kind of forget where we mm-hmm. come from. Right. But there, there really is a um, there really is a sea change, mm-hmm. right? There's really been a sea change, in, across the board, in a lot of ways, in terms of how the world is being shaped right now.
1: Yes, and 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 how um, I think strong what is still a minority viewpoint mm-hmm. is. You mm-hmm. know, if if people look at the state of the Second Amendment, Heller says very little. Mm-hmm. It says it's an individual right, which you know is you can fight about all day right but it also says very little about what types of regulations are permissible in Mm. fact you know Scalia's line is that reasonable regulations such as mental health restrictions restrictions on sensitive places such as schools are perfectly permissible and have been around for forever and um should not be challenged basically is his intimation Mm. um the question is how far does that go does it cover assault weapons bans so-called assault weapons um and I think that's kind of the position that Heller sticks us in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but every every gun control advocate hangs their hat on that hook, mm-hmm. right? And every gun rights advocate hangs their um, hat on the hook where he's saying this is an individual right. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. in a sense, no one is talking about the real issue, mm-hmm. which is, you know, okay, clearly the cultural, as you said, we've had a sea change, mm-hmm. right? Um, given the sea change, how should we nail balance the interests of law-abiding gun owners with the interests of um, those of, uh, I, I guess, public safety might mm-hmm. be a good word, you know, sure. with the right of the states to regulate public safety under the police power right. um, and questions like that?
0: Well, we regulate lots of things for safety reasons, obviously. Yes. We were forced to wear seatbelts. Right. Um, we can't smoke in certain places. Right. I mean, there are all sorts of things that we're – whether we're happy about it or not, yep. they seem – to be okay uh, yep. we can manage right but uh, when it comes to guns yeah uh, well, and a- that
1: brings us back right to Wolschlager, mm-hmm. right because the what this what the um, 11th circuit ends up saying when they reverse um, its prior holding on uh, um, bonk which means that all the judges weigh in mm-hmm. um, it was overwhelmingly in favor of the physicians they said this is a public safety issue mm-hmm. they said this is one of the few points that people have where they might get legitimate ways to um Secure a firearm safely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in the case of, for example, the the, pa- the parent with a new child, mm-hmm. um, they might get um, a gun lock that the physician's office might hand out. They might get information right. um, that there is no evidence that doctors are trying to drive an agenda, right. that um, <laughs> right. or or convince people not to buy guns or something right. like that, um, and that patients can refuse to answer the questions that are put to them, mm-hmm. right?
0: I'm Doug Storm. This is Interchange on WFHB. Jody Madeira of the IU Maurer School of Law is our guest, and we're talking guns and laws and the way the Second Amendment often trumps the first, but also how the first can be used against the second. Yeah, so it's a a again a frustrating world in which you want Mm -hmm. there to be a way in which we all understand the the best interests of Mm -hmm. health, uh, of public well-being, Mm -hmm. um, without the 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 political machinations of the lobby. Right. Uh, that's that's powerfully, like we said already, that that is sort of driving all these arguments. Yes. Uh, but there are arguments that are driven into the courtrooms, yes. and then there are people that are obviously appointed by certain right political figures, you know, on the on on the right, uh, and uh, that will you know argue, uh, will find for those particular positions. Yes. So um, even though culturally we might. Largely say this is ridiculous, you know. That a lot of gun owners, too, uh, you know, I've I've been polled to say we agree there should be regulations, yes, Um,
1: universal background checks, for example, yes, sure.
0: So, um, so this is a problem of lobby power, yes, and money in politics, and I think, too, it is also
1: a problem of cultural, um. Occupation. So, Mm. for example, the NRA has been so successful in clearing every most other perspectives out of the room besides their own that uh they've tried to create a vacuum, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Where not that you can talk about this but only in certain ways, but that you can't talk about it at all. Right. And it's turned into a politeness issue. I don't want to bring up guns because my neighbor might get offended or I might try to, you know. but broach the subject, but in a very, yeah. you know, uh, sensitive way, or in a very non-judgmental way, right. and 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 this is not a, even a topic that comes up in. Cocktail conversation, right, for example, right. anymore.
0: Yeah, you don't want to upset somebody.
1: Exactly. And,
0: you right. know, it's one of the things you point to, and I think it was there, you have a piece in the Hill that, you know, talks about civil discourse. We've had a couple programs on here about civil discourse. <laughs> and, and one of the things that, you know, we, we point to is that there used to be uh, a, a notion of civil discourse, mm-hmm. which, which basically meant you can say whatever you want, mm-hmm. don't hurt me. You know, don't don't physically hurt me. Right. You know, don't harm me in, in a particular way. But your words are your words. And right. Kind of
1: like that sticks and stones. It's so
0: simple, right? right? And that, that was civil discourse. It may not be nice, right? right? But the discourse that you allowed, to, because I allow you- mm-hmm. Uh, You have to allow me. Mm -hmm. You know that we agree on on it, right? I I can hear your, and it can be terrible things you say to me. And these were these were religious things in the first place, which was the way you worship will send you to hell.
1: Yes, Uh,
0: you know you are an evil person. These are the things you were yelling at each other, or
1: Uh, you know your sexual orientation will send you to hell. Sure, all sorts of things, right?
0: You have Mm -hmm. to put up with that. Yes, that's what civil discourse is—not being polite, because then we don't talk about anything. Right. That's that's a real issue. Right, it's a real issue here. We don't talk about it. I can right. easily say, yes, you can have a gun. Don't shoot me. Now, right. where, where's, our, where's our compromise? Where you, do I want you to carry your gun around? Do I want right. you to carry? Uh, no, I don't, want to, I don't want you to carry a gun. I don't want to see your gun. Right. I don't want you to have a gun. But mm-hmm. I understand that that's the, the life we live here, mm-hmm. that we have mm-hmm. guns. Right. Now, how do I make it safer for all of us? Mm-hmm. And how do we come to these conversations then? You know, how do we have a conversation when all we mm-hmm. then do is say guns are bad on this side, guns right. are good on this side. So right. we're having trouble finding this ground where I, I as a person yes. who doesn't like guns, have to accept they're here. Right. Right. And I have to say, okay, they're here. I'm not going to be able to ban them. Right. But we should ban some of them, shouldn't we? Yes. And, and what's your argument if you don't want to ban AR-15s? How, what's your argument? You know and then how do we get to that happy space where you say yeah that's a, that's a stupid gun to have. Right you know, or, or... or when you
1: acknowledge gee i really have this because i'm i am a collector i have an interest mm-hmm. or you know um versus you know this is something that i can assert a legit um, I don't mean to say legitimate, but um, the AR-15 among my friends who hunt is not a gun that they no, would ever take not. out hunting. Yeah,
0: so, so we're again, we're running into particular motives by particular groups who right. have uh, perhaps not very nice agendas themselves. You know, mm-hmm. I need this gun for this reason, which is, you know, to not just protect myself, but mm-hmm. to cause damage, you know? I think
1: one of the things we can um, look to, first of all, you know, going back to the Docs and Glocks case, mm-hmm. um, it was wonderful to say that doctors have a responsibility to discuss these topics because it confirmed that there are legitimate reasons why we want to discuss guns, right? right? Um, particularly for people who should not have them. The Second mm-hmm. Amendment is not absolute. Um, right. And, you know, there is a – for those who have a more gun control uh, perspective – they actually have the much stronger stance in the conversation. In most areas in this country, you do not have a right to carry a gun outside your home. Mm-hmm. You have to get a license. Many people can't get licenses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Second Amendment is not the end all and be all of firearms ownership. Um, and, you know, there is a lot to uh, a far away to go in terms of Uh, state laws that hold people liable for negligent use of a gun, for example, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. negligent access, um, allowing a two-year-old to get a Mm -hmm. firearm, for example. Um, But that's sort of a different issue than whether we can talk about it in the first place. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for talking about it, we could look for parallels to other issues. Um, Abortion advocates actually have said – uh, have urged women to break silence and describe their abortion, right, right? Uh, to interject real stories. And I think that can go for both sides, mm-hmm. right? Um, several gun owners, for example, who support so-called reasonable or common sense restrictions have said, I am I collect or I I shoot for sport or I carry for self-defense, but I believe that part of being a law-abiding gun owner is – I don't mind proving it, in other words. Right. Um, you know, I don't mind paying 125 for a lifetime license. Mm-hmm. I don't mind if background checks should be universal. And those are, those are what the polls say, right?
0: Right. Well, the, the harder question, I think, mm-hmm. uh, or we get to a harder question, in, in, if we talk about that part of, I think, gun owner response mm-hmm. that is about standing against state Mm-hmm. state capacities to mm-hmm. manipulate or, excuse me, to uh, coerce you mm-hmm. in any way mm-hmm. at all. Um, so I don't think it's an, un- so we could talk about, I think it's the Mulford Act in California, mm-hmm. which which basically attempted to take guns out of the hands of the Black Panthers more than anything else.
1: Yes, and we had um, a similar, you know, law here in Indiana mm. where um, after the Indiana Indianapolis chapter, of the Black Panthers carried inside the Capitol. Mm. That was when the ban on firearms in the Capitol, gotcha. I believe, came yeah. into effect, if I've yeah. got that right. Yeah. Um, but it was in the early 1990s.
0: Okay. So you can you can see that there are, there are reasons to carry guns, mm-hmm. especially if you're a, a group that is persecuted by the um, the legal, you mm-hmm. know, the, the state mm-hmm. is persecuting groups with firearms because mm-hmm. the state carries firearms mm-hmm. and has the the upper hand there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see how there are lobby groups that decide certain groups shouldn't have access to guns, right? Yes. Uh, so there, there are all sorts of things here that are difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the idea that Um, the state has guns and that the military has guns Mm -hmm. and that this country in particular is a militarized Mm -hmm. country and the globe has become a militarized Mm -hmm. place because of the country that manufactures munitions Mm -hmm. more than any other place, Mm -hmm. this one, right? That that's... Harder to even talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the the conversation we never have either. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the country that manufactures Mm -hmm. guns and sends them everywhere. Mm -hmm. Every conflict in the world has U.S. munitions in it. Yes. You know, so having conversations, these are almost quaint little conversations you and I are having about gun rights here in the country. while the entire world is being shot up. Yes. By U.S. guns. And the 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 reality is is that gun industry is the issue and the law here is a weird one in that space mm-hmm. right the 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 world is 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 this place that is overtaken by this this kind of thing and we are arguing about our constitutional right to carry a weapon and that's the thing that matters most
1: and i think that's entirely that's that's one of the points right is that we can talk we can talk about the second amendment all we want but it, in some ways it's the cultural practices surrounding firearms it's the assumptions surrounding how we talk about firearms or don't talk about them Mm -hmm. um it's it's our ignorance of or blindness towards violence that occurs in other parts of the world right right? um and i would say that's not just with firearms but just the fact that violence exists um for example uh connected to this um the immigration issues that have come up in the in recent years, mm-hmm. um, the the violence in the Northern Triangle in South America, right. and uh, we don't hear about them in the news. We hear about Trump, and we hear right. about uh, you know Me Too movements, and that's important. But we also need a, a more global perspective right. on what is happening and why people want to flee, um, and perhaps the roles that our weapons play in, um, for example, in Mexican drug cartels.
0: Right, right. To implicate the the mm-hmm. greatest country in the world doesn't seem like something we can do.
1: Right. And the other thing, too, is that we we say, well, we have a free market. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's not the government's responsibility to keep guns right. out of the hands. It's the corporation's responsibility. But then when we try, for example, to regulate markets in a way that would make them safer, um, there was in the 19, late 1990s, early 2000s, there was a um, rash of state uh States, but primarily cities, that sued mm-hmm. gun manufacturers for continuing to sell to gun sellers mm-hmm. who routinely sold crime guns. For example, sold to criminals, uh, took took pl- um, participated in straw purchases, um, followed bad sales practices, violated federal law, um, you name it. And nearly all of these suits got thrown out, mm. right? Um, and and in fact, then we got a law that said you can't sue uh, a gun manufacturer. Uh, for essentially continuing a negligent chain of commerce. In Indiana right now, you can't even sue a negligent gun seller that blatantly engages in a straw purchase. If I walk in and say, I'm going to shoot up an elementary school um, and I'm a felon, and the the gun uh, seller actually says, Hey, great! I don't like kids. Here's a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't even charge you for it. The parents of the murdered children don't have any recourse against me, mm-hmm. um, or against—I'm sorry—the recourse is against me, not the gun not seller. Not the
0: gun seller, sure.
1: And uh, but I probably don't have any money, right? Yeah. Um, so it's it's gotten so protective, and right. uh, we 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 have a this rhetoric about free market, free market, free market, um, but markets have consequences. <laughs>
0: That's our show. We'll close with Charles Mingus, Gunslinging Bird, off of Mingus Dynasty. Our great thanks to Jody Madeira of the IU Maurer School of Law, who visited us in our firehouse studios to discuss the silencer that the Second Amendment has become in our current climate of right-wing jurisprudence. Madeira is the author of the books Killing McVeigh, The Death Penalty and the Myth of Closure, and Taking Baby Steps, How Patients and Fertility Clinics Collaborate in Conception. Next time on Interchange, another episode in our series, A Targeted Divide, The Sheepdog Complex, how men's economic insecurity is being compensated for by positioning gun culture as protection, specifically via stand-your-ground rhetoric made notorious by George Zimmerman's killing of Trayvon Martin in Sanford, Florida. Jennifer Carlson, author of Citizen Protectors, joins us to unpack the reality of economic emasculation in the USA That won't be fixed by packing heat. I'm Doug Storm. Thanks for listening. I produce Interchange. A Targeted Divide is co-produced by Robert Crouch. Rob Schoon is our editor. Executive producer is Wes Martin. Stay tuned for The Jazz Menagerie coming up next on your community radio station, WFHB.